Y'all listening to that 20 by 20 podcast, the best of wrestling, the best of hip-hop. Check it out. Boom. This is the 20 by 20 podcast. Shout out to the nation of domination. Yeah. High in these potty streets, but we doing our thing. Tell Coco beware, bringing them birds to the ring. Attitude error, WWF on the leather. It's that 2020 podcast. I go wherever your shorty with a frog splash. She look like Sunny, but she Puerto Rican. I came through like the repo man creeping. Hello, hello, once again, once again, this is the 20 by 20 podcast, and I am your host, Nathan McFly. (laughs) Yeah, man, your boy, your boy's riding, riding solo on this one, Um, you know, things get in the way, personal, you know, life stuff and shit like that, you know, my boys are good though, Wood Joe's good, Bing's good. It's just, you know, when that, you know, 9 to 5 call, you know, when the baby call, whatever it may be, you know, that's the that's the reasons why, you know, sometimes we're not all together. But regardless of that, I'm going to hold it down for the pod, hold it down for my niggas. And welcome to episode, Jesus Lord, 127, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 127 episodes in of the 20 by 20 podcast. It's ridiculous. I can't believe it myself, man. Still can't believe it to this day when I start yelling out episode this, episode that. I can't believe how far we've come. But shout out to my boys once again, Bing, Woodrow. Shout out to my my family, of course. Shice, LP, the golden child, you already know. But, uh, yeah, man, we had a packed, packed weekend of pro wrestling. Um, Of course, you know, we we centered around WWE, but, you know, Bound for Glory was pretty exciting. And even Monday Night Raw was okay going into, you know, this new, um, these new, I guess, stories that they're going to have for us for Survivor Series. Uh, NXT with their Halloween Havoc special last night, AEW, even though there was reports of a leak for this week's AEW, it was still a hell of a show, and we're going to get into that as well, and um, yeah, man, just hoping everybody's good, and everybody, you know, is feeling good, I know in in New York City, the weather's been ass (laughs) for the past, like, about, uh, what, four days or so, it's been raining since Monday. So, you already know how that go. It's looking like homie ain't playing softball on Sunday, you know. But it is what it is, man. It's what, you know, it's what God intended. You know what I'm saying? So, it's all good. But, let's get into business. First of all, I want to talk about something I had just finished reading uh, about an hour ago. And it was uh, actually breaking news that happened during the third quarter third quarter call conference that uh wwe does with their investors and you know all all the media platforms online and stuff like that so check this out a groundbreaking deal has been in the works and it's looked like it's official now there's a groundbreaking deal between netflix and wwe to bring to us a multi-part documentary covering Vince McMahon's life. 
And the one of the reasons why it's so groundbreaking is because this is going to be the highest budgeted documentary in Netflix history, according to Khan. Not Tony, but Nick Khan. He's the new president and chief re revenue officer of the WWE. So, yes. We're finally getting it. Before, it was uh, a biopic that was being um, rumored in the works with, uh, I think, Ryan... Not Ryan Reynolds. Uh, homie from... Uh, what was it? Uh, what was that movie? Hangover. Yes, the Hangover movie. What was homie's name? He was in Limitless... I'm over here asking people like if they with me, but nobody's with me. <laughs> but I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, hold on, let me uh do a little search real quick. Can't believe I can't remember Bradley Cooper. Yes, there we go. Bradley Cooper. It was rumored to be that Bradley Cooper was going to play Vince McMahon in this biopic, but now this just came out, it's going to be a multi part documentary. And the executive producer for this documentary is none other than Bill Simmons. If you don't know who Bill Simmons is, he is the creator of the Ringer Podcast Network with um, such amazing podcasts that break down shows like The Wire, break down shows like uh, uh, Game of Thrones. You also have an amazing, an amazing um, wrestling podcast, the Masked Man Podcast. And a host of other stuff, you know what I mean? And I love the fact that he's going to be the executive producer because he's the one who executive produced the Andre the Giant documentary that was on HBO. He is an avid wrestling fan, so he is very, very in tune with the product. He's still in tune to this day with the product, and I just love that a real wrestling fan is actually going to be behind the scenes on this one. From what they're also saying is that the director is going to be the guy, Chris Smith, who directed uh, the Netflix Firefest documentary. Firefest, it was a festival that was supposed to take place, I think, on that that island that um, uh, Pablo Escobar used to use to traffic his stuff. You know what I'm saying? So that's another pretty dope, dope feature of the documentary. But if this is going to document his life... I mean, we are in for a treat. I mean, from the beginning to end, we're going to see the life of somebody who basically shaped the way we, we view pro wrestling now. And I know now a lot of people have a lot to say, maybe more towards the negative way. And that, and that depends what kind of wrestling fan you are, to be honest with you. So... To know more about his life, more about the person that is Vince McMahon, I'm I'm very very excited to to see, and I'm just hoping that you know Vince doesn't hold anything back. Like Vince gives us like the raw deal. Um, I think one of the most raw interviews, like re in recent times with Vince McMahon, was the interview between him and Austin, where him and Austin break down their relationship and where they're coming from and he seemed to be in tune with what's going on and what's in front of him with the product i get you know and people know that he has the last say in everything of course a lot of the stuff that we see on raw um smackdown to a certain extent us as fans are not feeling that's that's cool that's cool you know i mean there, there's fans some some 
they're not feeling NXT as much as before, maybe because it lost that luster of being like a hidden gem, I would say. Uh, AEW, you know, AEW's cool. I like AEW. I watch it on Wednesdays. I DVR it sometimes when I feel like NXT has gotten my attention a little more. Vice versa, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It's all good. You don't got to watch it. It's all good. But me being a wrestling fan, knowing, uh, you know, knowing the talent throughout all the companies, throughout the brands, and just wanting to see them perform and having, like, you know, the the joy of watching, you know, the Bucks, Kenny, Hangman, um, just, just, just guys like that. You know what I mean? Guys who I was going to Manhattan Center, um, damn, going to HOG shows, going to ICW shows, uh, Impact shows. Damn, I could go on and on and on. When New Japan does their ROH shows before out here in the city in New York, like going to those shows, those are the only times I could really see New Japan stars and all these indie stars that I was really feeling at the moment. And now to know that they're on TV every week and and it's a channel that you could get through any cable provider. I mean, that that's the one thing that kind of sucks for me with Impact is that they're on a channel that Time Warner doesn't, well, Spectrum, I should say, doesn't get. So I have to, you know, go through the internet, do my little searches here and there and find, you know, a link where I could watch the weekly show and stuff like that. But besides that, this is something I could just flick on the TV and I'm good to go, you know. But back to the Vince McMahon documentary, like I said, I just hope it's something that it's it opens up a new light into Vince. I mean, I'm pretty sure even with all the shit fans do not like going on between any show or with any segment as segment with a wrestler that they like they have to give this man props i mean from getting the company from where it was where it was still a carny type show you know carnival act to making it into this billion dollar business 30 plus years later and basically giving the formula for success for other companies like WCW, WCW at a time, even though they had great wrestlers and great matches happening within the early 90s, late 80s, uh, Crockett promotions and all that stuff, they kind of took the little nuances of WWE sports entertainment mixed in with reality-based TV and then we got NWO. You know what I'm saying? And then we got a, a valid, valid option to watch besides WWE. You know, like, he's an influencer. We cannot take that away from Vince McMahon. He has influenced movements. He has influenced a whole, a whole division. He has influenced a whole genre, a whole sport, a whole, a whole side of entertainment where... Like, it's been said years back, he influenced the NFL in the way they film their games with the XFL when it first came out, you know? And having WrestleMania be something that cities are bidding for. Like, I only hear cities bidding for something when they're, when they're asking to host either the Olympics or the Super Bowl. People are a- asking to host 
WrestleMania. People are bidding to host WrestleMania. They're having meetings with the McMahons like, yo, you should come to my city because my city lit. Like, this is ridiculous, like, from where it was to where it's at now. Like, he doesn't have to go to Madison Square Garden all the time. He doesn't have to um, go to L.A. all the time. He'll go there just for the glitz and glamour to get that Hollywood effect. But he doesn't have to go there. He could go anywhere else with a 100,000-seat stadium. Like, a couple of years ago, I think it was, what, WrestleMania 32? If I'm not mistaken, when Dallas first opened their, their newly minted stadium. He had WrestleMania at the Cowboys Stadium. Like, that was phenomenal to see. Over 100,000 people. I mean, it, it was just, it was a sight. It wasn't one of the best WrestleManias. Probably had a, I would say, an amazing open match with the the ladder match for the IC belt. Where Zack Ryder had that moment. An amazing moment that I wish I was there for. Shout out to Zack Ryder. But... At the end of the day, man, this guy breaks barriers and changes the game all the time, as we're seeing with NXT. NXT at one point was just a stomping or like a stomping ground, you know, like uh, this is your first step in order to get to the main roster, and now it's turning into a full blown show, and a lot of people kind of get into the whole realm of, oh, are they killing NXT? After watching Halloween Havoc, to me, they are not killing NXT whatsoever. There is no possible way that NXT is dead. NXT put on a gimmick show, Halloween Havoc, and gave us the type of wrestling that fans are eager to see with a side of entertainment. That's how good NXT is getting. NXT cannot be the developmental brand forever. No possible way that NXT could be the developmental brand forever. Because now you're getting indie talent. Now you're getting talent that's coming from, you know, Progress, ROH, um, maybe even NWA at one point. You're going you're to start seeing people there because there's rumors now of Thunder Rosa might might be going to WWE. And I think if she does go to WWE, it's going to be NXT. Why wouldn't it be? A match between her and Eero Shirai, that would be amazing. Fantastic match. But it cannot be a developmental brand anymore. Like, you're getting a guy like Kushida to join the brand. That is not a developmental talent. That's a talent that needs... To be worked on in order for uh, a new a new wave of audience to accept him, yeah, of course. And NXT is not a stupid fan base. NXT is a fan base that are they're hip to the indies and hip to New Japan and everywhere else. But they like their their sports entertainment. They're like their WWE. And now, if you have like the young guns getting ready and bringing out that 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 character in them, plus giving us fire matches in the ring, it's like. A collective of goodness right there. And it cannot be said that they're killing NXT. NXT has to has to always elevate. NXT has to change. Has to evolve into something. Because if we leave it as a developmental brand, we leave it as a, a in a rinky-dink arena with 500 people, it's not going to feel like nothing anymore. 
to me, I don't think it's gonna feel like anything. I I think it's gonna it's gonna have more of a feel every time it grows. And every time you see, you know, these these guys getting called up, these girls getting called up. But of course, a lot of them, a lot of them for some reason, they are not clicking in the main roster. And to me, it's not the talent. It's not the talent themselves. It could be the different writing staff. It could just be the guy who's just calling the shots. He doesn't know how to get these young, this young group of individuals over. He doesn't know how to do it anymore. And it's okay, you know. Homie's almost eighty years old. You know, you're gonna start losing. You're gonna you're gonna start losing it after a while. But yeah, man, Halloween Havoc was an amazing, amazing um put. Put on for us. We got a new North American champion in Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano, first ever two-time North American champion. And I like how they did this because Damian Priest didn't look weak in the match. It was a great match between him and Johnny. And for Johnny to be the guy of that size, you know, Johnny's a little dude compared to Damian Priest. He needed a helping hand. Whoever's under that screen mask, we need to know who's there. And this is something that NXT does so well. NXT puts on not only a great show, but their storytelling and their little nuance here and there. And them just adding little layers onto the story while the story is being told. Now you're wondering who this person is because this person was also part of um, the Candice LeRae Eero Shirai match, uh, the main event for the women's NXT title. And... That, that was another match. That was another great match. Ta uh, table, ladders, and stairs, I think it was. Yes. And that was another great match. But now everybody wants to know who's under that screen mask. I'm thinking maybe Tommaso Ciampa because Ciampa and Gargano, for some reason, are always intertwined in any story, in any development. They always seem to be together. So that's my bet. I think there's going to be one more match between Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. You know, they got to have that rubber match. And I feel like it's going to take place at the TakeOver in November. And going into November, you know, we have a lot, a lot between all three brands. We have a lot to see. So another match that um, really caught my eye, and it happened throughout the show because they went back to that, you know, cinematic standpoint but it was needed for an event like Halloween Havoc. So we had a match with Cameron Grimes and Loomis, Dexter Loomis, a haunted house of terror. And this is great for Loomis's character. Loomis has that real stoic face. It doesn't move. He shows no reaction. He just looks at you and you know you are in a world of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? The zombies... Um, just being in the house and the, and the house turning upside down on him and then just a little little comedy vibes with him thinking it's Loomis' sister in the shower and it's not, it's just a zombie freaking him out. Oh, Cameron Grimes is a star, by the way. He is a star. His facial reactions, the way he reacted to everything and sold everything, had him running away, running literally on his feet Back to the performance center, the whole shot, everything that was shot with this. And of course, this is, you know, a corny 80s, 
um, horror movie vibe, but it looked cool. It looked cool on the NXT camera, the way they did it, all, all grungy and dark. I loved it. I loved it. And Dexter Loomis, too, he... Hey, man, this is not the Dexter Loomis we've seen in Impact Wrestling. This is a different type of Dexter Loomis. I know he tried to bring this type of character over there to Impact, but it wasn't It wasn't clicking. And NXT is just clicking, and it's something that NXT needed. Somebody with a lot of character. It's not just a dude with a name and he just talking shit or whatever. This is a character-based wrestler. And we don't see that that much with NXT. I mean, we kind of see it a little bit with Damian Priest and his whole um, underground vampire lifestyle, you know, flyboy type shit. So we see it with that, and I really loved it. Um, yo, listen, man, every time NXT get people get called up, they got a new crop of guys ready, ready to step up to the plate and answer the call. I mean... We got Keith Lee leaving. Tommaso Ciampa's not really there. Um, uh, what you gonna call it? Cross Cross is injured. You know, Matt Riddle got called up, and then it's like, wow, like you know, Pete Dunne wasn't around because he was in in the UK. But hey, we got Pete Dunne back. And we got him back with a bang. He is in his element as a heel, which is great. And shout out to Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, like he said, one of the best debuts ever. I'm only saying that to a certain extent from a person that's coming from a different sporting background and trying out wrestling. Like... That was his first match, and he looked great. I mean, he's an athletic freak, though. He He's just beyond ath- athleticism. just pours out of this guy. And I feel like he brought a lot to the match with him and Adam Cole at NXT 30, which is great. Now he's back. He's a great mouthpiece. I mean, I mean, he has the size. He could get down in the ring. But his mic work is impeccable. I, a, lot of, a lot of guys in developmental, a lot of guys in the main roster... Do not have the mic work that he has. I mean, I if you if I'm lying, I'm flying. I don't know. But I'm telling you, his mic work can go back and forth with the best of them on the on the main roster and anybody in NXT, as you saw with him and Adam Cole. So him having and then him having this underdog tag team with him that I think for about a year or two, I could say right now, Danny Burke. And only Larkin was that team that everybody's like, yo, are they ever going to break that mold? You know, are they ever going to get the titles? They're really good in the ring. They're giving us great matches. I mean, we've seen some amazing one-on-one matches with only Larkin and um, Timothy Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher is another one. I like that he's not being seen too much. I mean, NXT has a wealth of talent, so... You already know. We're gonna we can't it's only a two hour show. We can't see him all the time. Please do not make it three hours. We don't need we don't need to be, you know, force fed people. So everything is looking good. But back to uh Oni Larkin. Yeah, he has some really, really hard nosed matches with uh Timothy Thatcher. They had some amazing tag team tag team ma- matches with uh UE. They had some great matches with uh even even Brizango. Brizango's having great matches with them. You know, they had good matches with um, Imperium as well. I mean, we 
y'all, like I've been saying that in the last like five, ten minutes, it's a wealth of talent. And NXT. NXT is looking really, really promising going in to the next year. And going into this next takeover that they're gonna have in um in November. But Pete Dunn comes back. Everybody thought Pete Dunn was gonna be with Kyle, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, get and get it cracking with these guys. But I'm like, and then I start thinking to myself when I see that, I was like, why would Pete Dunn support Kyle O'Reilly? UE used to terrorize Pete Dunn. It was only last year that he was fighting Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. You know what I mean? It's something to think about. And guess what happened? Boom! Hits Kyle O'Reilly with the chair. They start beating homie down. Now Pete Dunn is back in his element, and he's with some real rugged, rugged bruises. And he got Pat McAfee talking that fly shit. I mean, hey, that's a nice little stable right there if I ever seen one. So those guys are really, really gonna be good together. I can't wait to see that that uh four man group going against UE. I mean, hey, if UE could come back. Let's have them in Survivor Series. Let's have them host their Survivor Series match like a four-on-four. That'll be dope. You know what? Hey, guess what? We don't even need them for Survivor Series. War Games, baby. War Games is here. We got ourselves a War Games match. Do we have ourselves a high-class bump from uh, Pat McAfee? I have no idea, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But yeah, man, Halloween Havoc was great. I loved it. Um... Just can't wait. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to see what else NXT has up their sleeves. It's going to be crazy. But um, let's get uh, you know what? I haven't even talked about it. And it happened this Sunday, Hell in a Cell. Before I get get into Raw, um, I was a very skeptical about seeing three cage matches. There was three cage matches, um, you know, two regular matches here and there. They, they had uh, Elias versus Jeff Hardy. I mean, you know, shout out to them. They did their best, but there was no way they were going to be following Roman and Jey Uso. Especially when Roman bringing out Pop, Dukes, and, and Theo. You know what I mean? Like, yo, the Wild Samoans came out and blessed them with the Ula Fala. They blessed him with the Ula Fala. Listen, that is different from a lay. That is a special type of lay they put around the man's neck. That is made with the fruit of Samoa. And it is made especially for the head of the table. Especially for the tribal chief. So that was the hand-me-down right there. That was like, yo, my man, this is yours now. They got to follow you. Them homies right there got to follow suit. He got the okay from the elders. Elders came down. Man, the elders don't be out there like that. You don't see them like that. They came for this because this has meaning. Everything in this story has meaning. Now, people are saying that there's something missing from it. There's a turn missing from it. I don't want that turn to happen too quick. This right here is a story to be told all the way to WrestleMania. And it can be told. It can be told. You know what I mean? This is like, what we just saw was like the season finale. You know what I'm saying? It was the season finale. The new season going to happen at 
Royal Rumble. New season going to happen at the December event. TLC, if that's what it is. I'm not too sure. You know what I'm saying? You need a break from this. This, this story was... I was so emotionally invested in what was going on. I mean, when Reigns was breaking down crying in the middle of the ring and looking at Jimmy like, yeah, you're right, man. You know, we shouldn't be doing this for family. Yeah, you're right. And then he just looked at him. He looked at him like, man, I got to do this, bro. This is for family. Started choking him, choking him out. And you see J Jimmy grabbing for his brother like, yo, help me. I'm out here. I'm dying. And Jay had to say it. Jay had to say I quit. And I know that hurt because he didn't say I quit because he was losing and he couldn't take it anymore. He said I quit in order to save his brother. And that right there, I mean, the storytelling, like, I thought I was watching a telenovela. I was all invested, like my mom's watching her novelas at night. That's how invested I was. And it was just a crazy, crazy roller coaster of emotional emotions going around. You know, my wife is like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, yo, this this is just too crazy. And she's looking at me crazy. I'm like, yo, you don't understand. Family, family is fighting. It was crazy, man. Uh, just, um, it was great what these guys are doing in the ring. They didn't need any high spots. They didn't need any falling off the cages or nothing like that. And you know what? We can't see that. If we're going to have three cage matches, they all have to be different in some way. Of course, I, I wanted this for Reigns and Uso. Let them get the storytelling. Let them tell the story in the ring of what's going on. Let them have a script that they're working on and tell the events by their movement and by their actions, in which they did, and they they deserve every A plus that everybody in all these social sites are, are giving them. They deserve it all. Then, you know, like I said, we had the breaks here and there, but we get to Sasha and Bailey. Yo, Sasha, I hope you're okay, cause those bumps that you were taking were hellacious. Those were some crazy bumps you were taking there. I'm just hoping you're okay. <laughs> and, of course, Bailey as well. Bailey was taking some ridiculous bumps. But, you know, it is what it is. And and that's how it went down. Sorry for that. I ate a little earlier, you know, gases. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. And I, I just, my hat's off to them, bro. They got the physical aspect of the cage, using everything and anything in their possession in order to win the match. And when Sasha's hand got raised, my only thought was, please let this be more than a more than a month. Please let this reign be more than a month, because I think the longest reign Sasha's ever had it was like about forty six days. And that's me just, you know, thinking about it. Thinking about, like, Sasha's reigns. And this is her first reign as SmackDown champion. So that's another big that's another big movement right there. And I think altogether she is six times woman champion. 
So I'm hoping the best for Sasha on this run. Um, now being on the blue brand, she has a couple of people there that she can really feud with. I would love to see a match with her and Bianca Belair. And I don't want to hear the next night that, oh, they didn't give Bianca a shot with the title. Listen, Bianca got to, you know, she got to step up her, her game. She has to make sure that she's about it before she takes that belt off of Sasha. Sasha needs a lengthy run. And what I mean by a lengthy run, maybe a couple of months, you know, a couple of months with the title. Why not? She deserves it. I think she deserves it. I think the fans think she deserves it. So let's give that to her. What do you guys think? Let me know. You already know where we at. 20 by 20 podcast. Instagram. 20 by 20 underscore podcast on Twitter. Let us know. Let us know. When you see that when you see that artwork for the new uh for the new episode and you got something to say about the episode, let us know, man. We were very approachable, you know. If you got questions, if you got statements, you know, we'll, we'll say it. We'll say it on the air. We'll say it during the show. All you guys, all you guys gotta do is let us know how you feel, man. That's it. That's all you gotta do. Cause think about it. Look, Sasha has five reigns as Raw Women's Champion, and I combined a hundred and sixteen days off of those five reigns. That's a combined. That's basically about not even. Not even 20, an average of 24 days. It's, lo- it's less than that. It's like 23 and a half. I, I, that's crazy. That is insanity. Her last reign with the title was 26 days. Lost at Oscar. The reign before that was, oh, wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sasha Banks hasn't had a singles reign besides the last raw reign she had the one before that was august 20th 2017 and it only lasted for eight days she lost it to alexa bliss alexa bliss with one reign has more days as champion as sasha banks now i'm not saying that you know um alexa bliss did not deserve any of that because she was you know she was somebody that people were actually wanting to see and you know she put on a couple of matches here and there of course got you know got snuffed out by ronda rousey but it's all good but still sasha is an amazing talent and deserves a lengthy run that's just my opinion so our third oh before we get to that third match Otis doesn't have the doesn't have the briefcase anymore, and his boy Tucker has something to do with it. Now, who's the Janetti of this team? Tucker's the one that talks. Tucker is the workhorse, but Otis is the face. Otis is the entertainment. I mean, let's see what's going on. Uh, since it's Brand versus Brand and Survivor Series, why do we? Why don't we get uh? You know, what you gonna call it? Uh a match between them and uh, during a pre-show. Let's get a match between them during a pre-show. I think that's something the fans would be interested in. Um it could be hopefully something that was better than Enzo versus Kaz. I mean Enzo came out of that looking good, you know, cruiserweight champ, never lost it as he would say, and still 
But um, <laughs> yeah, man, I think I think we got something there. I think uh, Tucker could actually be a good character. I don't know what type of character Tucker would be. He gives me big boss man vibes. But uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with Tucker. But uh, yeah, man, I I like Miz with the briefcase and he kind of puts an importance back on the briefcase that I haven't seen in a while. You know what I mean? Um, last time the, the person won it, it was what? Um, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar won it. We already know that he was cashing in and he was going to be Kofi. We were mad with it. We were mad about it for a month or two, but we knew it was coming. Uh, before that, Let's see. Let me let me go back. I know we were talking about winners. Uh, not too long ago. But then you had yeah, you had Otis, you had Brock Lesnar, and if I am not mistaken, we had Baron Corbin in twenty eighteen, and that didn't go too well for him as well. But my thing is this: um, after having that type of match that they had at MITB. I mean, we needed we needed to see what was going on. We really needed to see if the briefcase was going to mean anything anymore. And that little promo that... Oh, Braun Strowman had the briefcase, sorry. And then it was uh, Baron Corbin. But still, they both didn't catch it in good. So they both they both like made the briefcase look like... Hot ox, you know what I'm saying? Made they made a briefcase look like regular weed and shit. But um, yeah, man, like I wanted the briefcase to start meaning something again. And that promo that Miz cut after the match, like, yo, this is not a prop. Like, this is a contract to cash in for the, whenever he wants during the year. This is something that you work for. This is something that you keep close to. You don't. You don't make it a lunchbox. It's not a lunchbox. It's an opportunity. And he said he put all titles on notice. He put the Universal title, the WWE title. They both on. They both on watch right now. And I'm telling you, going into the next cell match, when I seen Randy winning it, the only thing that came to mind was like, yo. The Miz cashed it in on Randy last time. And it was after a crazy match. I mean, I think if Randy would have won and he's the one that would have taken that bump that uh, Drew McIntyre took off the cage. There you go. There's another nuance right there that makes that match different from the other two. Uh, I was ready for it. I was ready for for a successful Miz cash in. I mean, Miz with the belt in 2020. Going into 2021, 10 years from the last time he had the belt and he main events WrestleMania again. Oh, my God. I think we might have Miz Girl Part 2. Yep, Miz Girl Part 2. That's what we're going to have. But let's see what happens. Because as we've seen, Drew McIntyre kicked his face off (laughs) on Monday Night Raw. But that match was good. It was a good match, a good starter. Uh it was a match that I think Drew needed more than Miz cuz Miz got the briefcase. Miz with 
one one lucky opening, one lucky window opening could change everything for himself. He could change absolutely everything for himself. So let's see where that goes. I mean, hey, they gave us a good match. Drew won. That's all I that's all I really got out of it. But we also see that NXT isn't a part of Survivor Series. Which I feel that it's okay. 2019 was a groundbreaking year for NXT because now they are going against, I would say, a brand. A professional brand. Like something that should be going against SmackDown and Raw. Right? They still are not seeing SmackDown and Raw in ratings. Maybe because they're not on the same day. But also, the their level of talent kind of mimics the main roster in a way. Maybe because they have a lot of ex-WWE talent. But at the end of the day, you're not just going to hire indie guys and build from the ground up when you have so much money invested. If you have the equity to invest in bigger names, why not? Why not? But back to um, NXT not being a part of Survivor Series, I think it's cool. I think last year they really needed it to solidify themselves not only as a developmental, but as the third brand. They're not a developmental brand anymore. Some people might just call it the developmental just because they're so used to using that term with NXT. But NXT is the third brand. And for them to reign supreme as Survivor Series last year, for them to get the most wins out of all three brands solidified that for them solidify them as the third brand now it can be looked at as the third brand going against aew it's not the developmental going against aew so i i figure that and i feel that all good keep that over there imagine they will give us nxt nxt every year at survivor series is it'll it'll start getting a little you know eh, like ah oh, we need something new they gave us something new last year they didn't give us too much of it. You know, they had their tag teams there. They had their secondary titles there. They had their, um, yeah, and then the Survivor Series matches between the, the women and the the men. So that was good. Uh, you know, broke, broke in some new stars with that one. Adam Cole was put on watch for everybody to see with great matches against Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, and then had a phenomenal match against Pete Dunne after, after, Working a crazy War Games match. Yo, Adam Cole, I know he's on Vince's radar, but Triple H ain't letting him go. And Triple H is going to make sure that that dude, once he goes, he's going to be solidified within the main roster and they're going to have something good for him. I know that for a fact. Triple H ain't going to let nothing happen to UE. UE is too valuable to the black and gold brand. Um, Yeah, Keith Lee as well. Keith Lee had that amazing moment with Roman Reigns. Everybody's like, oh, Keith Lee should have just won. Nah, man. Roman is the top dog. Let's see if you could roll with the top dog first. And he gained the respect not of not only the top dog, but everybody backstage as well. Gained the respect. And I and I feel that. And I love it. So we made, we made some stars. WWE made some stars there. You got to give them some props with that. I know they're not looking too good on the main roster right now, but not everything looks good in the beginning. What about AJ? When AJ first started, he looked great at the Rumble. And then it was kind of topsy-turvy. He lost to Jericho at Mania. You know, like, 
it was it was really up and down. But then it got better. And I think that's what's going to happen, man. It's going to get better. It's definitely going to get better for Keith Lee. It's definitely going to get better for Matt Riddle. Even though they changed his name to only Riddle. It's going to get better. <laughs> we got to have some type of uh, hope. I know most of the time it's hard to have hope. Because they've let us down so many fucking times. But then again, they also did some good. I'm not going to say a lot, but they did some good. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Survivor Series. Another thing that's intriguing me about Survivor Series. And I don't know if this is Bray trolling for two years in a row. But he always has something with uh, the numbers 1119. Whether last year it was on the clock 1119. Uh, this time, the Matt Hatter hat that he had on, 1911. Everybody signifies that with the debut of The Undertaker. Now we're at the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker. You know, and now more than ever, it makes sense for for us to have this showdown. And the reason why I say it makes sense is because if you think about it, this year at Mania, Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend, got his revenge on John Cena. They built it as like a revenge from six years ago at WrestleMania, the match they had. Bray Wyatt also had a match with The Undertaker. Lost to The Undertaker. When the fans thought he shouldn't have lost to The Undertaker. So why not? Why not Bray Wyatt get his revenge on The Undertaker? I think they have a great story being told. If we're going to have a Survivor Series where it is a traditional brand versus brand Survivor Series with some intriguing matches, you know, Drew McIntyre. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um... Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, champ versus champ. Street Profits versus New Day. That's going to be fire. New Day is hilarious the way they mimic the Street Profit. Can't wait to see what the Street Profit do on Friday, mimicking New Day. Probably throwing pancakes to um the Thunderdome. <laughs> um, who else? Uh, Asuka versus Sasha. Woo-wee! Asuka versus Sasha is going to be fire. So you have that, and then you'll have the 5-on-5 between the men and the 5-on-5 between the women. What's that? What's that right there? That's one, two. Oh, and then you have Lashley and Sami Zayn. Somebody pointed this out. We're getting a rematch from probably one of the worst angles that they had in the last five years with the sisters and all that other stuff. That was really bad. I hope they do not resurface any of that because the work that Bobby Lashley is putting in with the Hurt Business is phenomenal. Everything Sami Zayn is doing right now with his little Che Guevara-esque get-up going on and, you know, this this is really good. I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. And I think both of them being really good in the ring, um, they're going to give us a great match. But besides that, you have that match, you have the championship match, you have the championship match for the women, and then the two sides and the tag team match. So that's seven matches, if I'm not mistaken. Six? Six, right? 
six, whatever. So we'll have another another pay-per-view not going over the three-hour mark or maybe just hit the three-hour mark, 10 o'clock on the dot. We don't get four hours, which is great. But why not leave it? We already know that Undertaker's going to be there. He's not going to be fighting, but he's going to be there at the event. Why not have it to where Bray Wyatt stalks this man? Bray, lights go off, Bray Wyatt, mandible claw, everything. Build that up. This is the time when you call an Undertaker, too, to see how he's feeling, see how that body's feeling, see if he's healthy. You know, as Woodrow likes to call him, the Keto Taker. We don't like seeing Keto Taker, but, yo, Keto Taker is the reason why he's still here. He's keeping himself healthy. But it would be amazing for a long-term storyline. Well, this is long-term because long-term before would be a year plus. This is going to be long-term. If you think about it, it's going to be about... We got mid-November, mid mid-late November to beginning April. You know what I'm saying? Five months. You have the dead man coming here and there. You have the dead man showing up in uh, Royal Rumble, maybe at Royal Rumble. He causes the Fiend, the match against Orton. You know, this history between Orton and The Undertaker there, too. There, there could be a lot of little things, a lot of little moving parts that will feel like it makes sense in order to get to a Bray Wyatt Undertaker rematch at WrestleMania. And letting Bray Wyatt come out on top, getting that victory over Undertaker... Out of WrestleMania, and that being the last nail in the coffin, that being Undertaker's last match. Because Undertaker, as he said plenty of plenty of times, he likes to give back to the business. He's about giving back to the business. So why not give Bray Wyatt one of his biggest wins in his career next to the win against John Cena? We don't even know if it was a win. We just know that John Cena disappeared. <laughs> But give him that big win on the big stage. Whether there's fans or it's a Thunderdome or it's a open stadium with 500 people. Bray Wyatt needs that. To solidify the Fiend character. To solidify everything that he's been doing within the past two years. Because we've seen Goldberg come back. Fuck it up. We've seen Seth Rollins get a win over him. I don't even know if it was a win because the referee, it was a referee stoppage because the Fiend didn't didn't quit. But this is something that I think um, could really move in a positive direction for Bray Wyatt. And hey, it ties everything together from the past year with the 1119 and 1911 numbers, you know, floating around in the, in the funhouse on the hat. So I really want to... Really want to see that. That's something I really want to see. But yeah, man. I mean, you know, it wasn't going to be a, a crazy filled show. Because I'm by myself. I can't believe I talked for 51 minutes, Dolo. But I did. Um, thank you, everybody, for the continuing support with Storyline Tees. Uh, you know, that's you know that's a company that us here at the 20 by 20 podcast worked on. We brought... You know, amazing, amazing shirts. I think they're they're phenomenal. I think they're probably the best in the wrestling merch game when it comes to like customizing shirts. Shout out to Dream Match Wrestling for helping me. Shout out to Otherworld Rio as well. Dame Lomipana. Um 
yeah, man, shout out to those two men for helping me bring, like, visions that I had to these teams. You know, the, these are ideas uh, me and the team has always talked about. And just to have those two creative creative minds working with ours, uh, it, was, uh, it was a blessing. It was a blessing to bring you the Macho King shirt, uh, the Brian Pillman Loose Cannon shirt, the Boyhood Dream. I mean, I, I've never seen a WrestleMania 12 shirt like that. It was amazing. Dream match wrestling, baby. You already know. Uh, the Prince's back, Finn Balor, which I feel like it's a very underrated shirt. Because when we first did it, you know, he was supposed to be facing Walter for the UK title. And, you know, we actually did a variant of it and then put Adam Cole in it with him with the NXT title. And I think maybe that's what got got into the eye of uh, WWE and we got our cease and desist. But, hey, man, we can't stop. We won't stop. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we have a lot of uh, winter gear coming. We got some hoodies coming, some crewnecks. Uh, we got the perfect hoodie coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be some phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And, you know, we got some New Japan stuff coming, too. You know, shout out to Naito and shout out to L.I.J., man. Hope you like what we got coming up. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, how can I forget? The latest and greatest, the Nation of Domination shirt. Now, if you look at Nation of Domination shirts from back in the day compared to what we did, we put a lot of character in it. There was a lot of storytelling within our shirt, hence storyline tees. Um, shout out to Dream Match Wrestling for that one too. He he killed, killed that one for me, man. Thank you, my brother. I truly appreciate that, my bro. And please support Dream Match Wrestling. He has phenomenal merch as well. Uh, he puts what we think are dream matches. Uh, for example, Cena vs. Warrior, uh, Miro vs. Taz, Nido versus Eddie Guerrero. Imagine that. The shirts are phenomenal. He's such a, an amazing artist, an amazing person to work with. So holla at him at Dream Match Wrestling on Instagram. You can find him there. Uh, not hard to find either, you know. So he's right there. He's willing to work with people on commission work, you know. Put in that call. Give homie the work. Let him know what's good. But uh, yeah, man. Um, a lot of good music also coming out. I've been listening to Griselda, of course. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but, um, you know, Benny's album was just tremendous. Uh, Conway's album was tremendous. West Side Gun, the architect of Griselda, tremendous. Uh, Buster Rhymes is starting to surprise me. Because, I, yo, listen, I heard of Extinction Little Movement Part 2 coming out. And I was just like, ah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but damn, bro, like he might he might have one. He might have one. He has a song with Anderson Pack. It's pretty cool. But um, yo man, might have to give this one to the east side of Harlem. UFO Thief and Nims. They got a fantastic song out right now. And UFO Feeve got a project coming. Shout out to Feeve, my brother Feeve. He got the ghost of Abizu. If you don't know who that is, Abizu, check it out. See who that is. And it's coming November 6th. But I'm going to play the first single off of that, UFO Feeve, Nims. 
produced by Big Ghost. The whole joint is produced by Big Ghost. So shout out to the High Enterprise Box Cutter Jiu Jitsu. You already know, man. This is the 20 by 20 podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan McFly. See you back here next week. <laughs> Peace. Oh, shout out to the Nation of Domination. Shout out to Los Boricuas. Shout out to the Hurt Business. Shout out uh, to the Yo, Fee, what the fuck we doing? Right. I promise you I rock one of these rap niggas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. One hit a quit a dying to come out with tight. <laughs> I suffer from a psychosis. I take reality in doses. When I'm in the physical, it's obvious I'm focused. UFO. They warned about me like the locust. The author of the Bible, the good Lord spoke this. I can't do it. I seen the heavens as I wrote this. True to it. You gon' steal an engine if you smoke this. Everything's for sale. My projects put wind under my sails. And I am everything that entails. Surgeon gloves as I introduce the pistol to the shells. My hood rat, like the match of Yeezy with Chanel. My mom told me, baby, all them kids are gon' tell. Just do you. And ever since then, I haven't failed. Hey, yo, we spit razors out in battles, open your cheek. I go to rap shows, hoping it's beef. Leave a motherfucker walking out. In his teeth And fuck his baby mother in the poking no sweet You don't bring your girl to shows Cause you know she's on my dick In high school I would've robbed you for your sidekick I eat dinner with my wifey and my side bitch Give a fuck if they like broccoli. You might catch me in the body Yo, if he's standing next to me Or walking through Brooklyn like a fucking celebrity I'm at a black toe These bum rappers could never be Own property over a million in I'm in the grave of lawsuit with shades on Out here looking like heavy D You know the fucking vibes I got nothing but love for you Walk away my little man Dump nothing but slugs on You won't start your own team But you quit to join the winning one Steve, I look at these rappers like Yo, these niggas dumb I look at these rappers like Yo, these niggas done Punch you in your face Tell you get your gun The fuck out my face, pussy